the uh, the the design started with the trailer, and I had the trailer custom made by a company near here. So it's the trailer is all um, marine grade aluminum, and if I wanted to, I wanted to be able to turn it into a houseboat one day. Oh so no way! I can pull the axles off, and the underside is completely impervious to water. So Whoa. I could. I could make myself a cool uh, aluminum uh, pontoon platform. Get out of town. Put it on the water if I wanted to. So that was one of the goals as well, was to be able to do that. That's amazing. And you were, you're also friends with, uh, with Elon from SpaceX, and you, have, uh, you can easily attach a couple of rocket boosters on it and bring it to the moon, correct? Well, that, that's the reason that he's building the Falcon Heavy. Yeah, it's makes a lot of gonna, sense. We're going to put my tiny house inside of it. <laughs> Open rope podcast. Fire it up, Jer. I thought you were going to fire it up while I'm taking a sip of my drink. <laughs> Slow and leisurely sip of his beer. Oh, yeah, no, no. I'll fire it up. Let me fire it up. Welcome to the Open Road Podcast. I'm Jeremy. That's Calvin over there. We're here to help you find more adventure in your everyday. Uh, and I am fired up for today's episode, Calvin. I have to admit We're kind of both a little fired up. We are both like are a couple of juices in. <laughs> and uh, it's not that late. <laughs> Uh, this is the everyday adventure of a Tuesday night. Of a Tuesday night, um, we have a really exciting interview coming up with um, BJ Mac Woodwork. Brian, uh, is that what it is? BJ Mac Woodwork is his Instagram. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, BJ Mac and Brian McKenzie. This is a great conversation. But before we get there, I want to tell Calvin a little bit about an everyday adventure that I've been having that's been getting me fired up. All right, hit me. Um, so you know how just 10 seconds ago you were fiddling with your interface to kind of figure out how to get the optimal mix into the headphones that I gave you? Yeah, I'm a big mix guy. You know you know me. <laughs> I like a good mix. Um, I hate this interface. But, but yes, go on. But you hate the interface, but now that you're starting to learn it, does that feel good? Uh, yeah, it feels good. I mean, it always feels good, right, to understand technology or a device or something, right? Yes, exactly. And that's kind of wh- where this story comes out of. Um, it comes out of this uh, a little bit of learning that I did this week. And if if I were to ask you, Kelv, what's the opposite thing of adventure? What would you say? Uh, opposite thing of adventure? Yeah, like what's the opposite of adventure? Uh, is there a right answer you're looking for, or you're just looking for? Well, I'm looking for what you think because I kind of have found one that I'm, that is is my example. But like, if I were just to say that okay. to you, what do you think? What's the opposite? Thing? Uh, I think just like living a life of absolute structure Ooh. and um, rule, structure and rules, and just like mundanity, like like the same same. Yeah, I think like I think we've mocked like working for the Canadian government would be like the worst <laughs> life you could possibly live. <laughs> Depending on the role, Katie has been coming home with some unreal stories from the courtroom, and she's gonna hit me with a couple tonight. Yeah, but that's not the classic. Um, no, you know, I know what I'm thinking. Of. I know, I know. Uh, she had two trials today, and she texted me that she killed it, and I can't wait to hear about it. But, anyways, yes, I- like literally sent a man to death. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that in Canada. And then she doesn't even. <laughs> the only way she can get around it is not thinking of the man as a person, a he. She has to call him an it. I killed it today. Uh, that's pretty good. How she can justify it. Gratefully, uh, thankfully, rather, we don't have uh, capital punishment here in Canada. So, but yeah, so when I was thinking about it. Um, 
and especially when it comes to the context of everyday adventure, I think the opposite of adventure is uh, the fear of learning. The fear of learning. Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh, Who, fear of learning, Jared? Yeah, but but because here, because get this. So um, when I remember when I got this house, how there's this big fat hot tub on my back porch. Yeah, I do. And how I was like not down for this thing because it was just going to be a, like a money suck. And it was just like, I, I didn't really want this. I probably wouldn't have paid for this but because it's here. Like whatever. Okay, you definitely wouldn't have paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> obviously <laughs> Please not. tell me you wouldn't consider paying $10,000 for a hot tub. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, <laughs> I was like kind of just, I was just a little bit annoyed with the whole thing. Yeah, and it's almost like this thing you feel obligated to do something with, but you know it's like this mystery amount of cash suck that it is. Yes, and I have a bit of a confession to make, and I have just done a complete 180 from that attitude. Go on. All right, let's hear it. And you got all the buttons figured out. You got the chemical mix ratios well, all worked out. Well, we'll, we'll see. Okay, so, so yeah, you're, you're getting a tiny bit ahead of, ahead of us here. Um, so if I think about everyday adventure, I was thinking about this podcast, and I was getting this hot tub running. The guy had to come over to fix one part that was leaking, and so he's, like, taking it all apart, showing me what's what, like, teaching me a little bit about it. And Okay. And then yesterday I needed to get a couple new filters. The stuff is just outrageously expensive. I will never get over that whole part of it. But um, but this lady walked me through the way the chemicals work and what they actually do uh, in terms of making the water really comfortable. And so okay. and, and the product that the previous owner had, so I didn't have to buy any chemicals because they had a ton, are actually one of the more natural products that use like whatever natural minerals and stuff to like make your water balanced and so i learned all about like this water balancing and how that like makes it really comfortable for the person sitting in the hot tub these like levels and so last night uh or over the past couple days as i filled it getting ready for our party this weekend i was like learning what these chemicals do putting them in using my little tester sticks and i felt like this alchemist that was trying to come up with just this perfect concoction and then last night i was sitting in the hot tub and just turned the jets on i'm out in nature and i honestly just i was just alone and i had such a wonderful time of thinking by myself and the ph level is not quite where it needs to be so like by the end of it my skin was like irritating a little bit but i just had this like oh gosh i no, not like a lot but it was just like you need to get your ph down a little bit and it's just totally natural uh when you have a hot tub and i was just like i cannot wait to figure out everything about the water that's in this tub and just make it perfect and all of a sudden it was like this hilarious little me being a chemist and like fully immersed in making this water awesome (laughs) that is hilarious like my my father is also very into chemical balancing his hot tub yeah i think once you get into it it's just like a little thing this little club you're get obsessed with well and so coming back to like this adventure and the opposite adventure being this fear like when i'm looking at this giant wall of chemicals i'm like what is going on and i don't want to learn this and this is just like a giant hassle and i realized that the the thing that was holding me back was not actually like the fact that I didn't want something it was the fact that I was like scared to learn or not that I was scared but I didn't know what I didn't know and therefore I this fear was kind of holding me back and that was a really interesting learning lesson for me where I was like huh if you know something all of a sudden you're not afraid of it anymore it's true I mean it's kind of funny the little things that we find along the way I mean even 
um, when I was at your house last and you and I put that chandelier up in your living room. Yeah. And it was like, Same that's thing. something that I knew because I have done it before. But it, I don't think, had you ever done anything like that before? Well, I had done one of our lights in the bathroom, but I had someone there who had like the electricity tester and he like walked me through it. So I'd only ever done yeah. it once and I was like, I'm not ready just to look up there and do it. Mm-hmm. But again, but that's a satisfying little thing. thing, right? Dude, 100%. Because I mean, whenever I think about those little kind of those little household tasks that you can spend like a, you have to spend a lot of time to kind of research and figure out how to do it, but you end up saving yourself a good chunk of change Dude. doing it yourself. 100%. And sometimes it ends up hack, but um, it's pretty satisfying. Yeah. Anytime you bring someone to your house, it's minimum a couple hundred bucks. And that is just, it just makes sense. You got to pay the guy the hours. You got to pay his truck. You got to pay his company. Like I'm, I don't mind spending that money. Like I'm fine for a, like, that the, there is the yeah. value there but that's a lot of money for different things so anyway especially because this podcast is about everyday adventures um i i just found a new adventure right on my back patio and that is the adventure of chemistry and figuring out my hot tub and uh, ultimately relaxation so how are you you test it with those little paper strips is that how it goes yep that, that's how you're like measuring it and it's actually kind of cool so the the paper strip actually has four little tabs on it and so it measures okay. four different things. And then on the back of the bottle is like this color scale where you match each yep, one up yep. so you figure out what you got to do. So it's fascinating. So, I mean, it is kind of fascinating. Um, now have you tried like taking a big whiz in there and seeing what happens? Dude, that's another thing that I was thinking about while I was sitting in there for this first time. I was, I literally said to myself, <laughs> I will never, ever again pee in someone's hot tub or in their pool i will i will never do it <laughs> because he knows you know what it does to the chemicals well i don't know what it does but i just i just had this like like deeper understanding of how offensive that is like don't do that in there it's just not oh. cool yeah like there's not there's not that much water in a hot tub <laughs> so if a full-size man oh. empties his bladder into that <laughs> It's not, it's, it doesn't dilute that much. So now you like multiply that by even, like even <laughs> three people. Okay. Three people take a quick leak. It's just not. And like in the lifetime of the tub water span, right? Oh yeah. Three full urine sitting in there. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally made a vow to myself that I will never, ever do that again. And I will admit openly on this podcast, cause it's a place where we're truthful. I would do that regularly. Not not so much How not so much in hot in tubs. In your adult life? Not so much in hot tubs, more in pools. And yes, in my adult life. <laughs> hot tubs is bold. <laughs> That's so bold. I don't know if I've ever done that, but <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It, so we were we took we took um the baby to uh free swim night. Did I tell you about this? But like, all of our like a lot of our friends in the area that have kids and we are kind of have the younger end of the kid, but uh they all like I forget, maybe it's Friday night or something. Like, it's like two bucks to take your kid to the pool, which is super, super nice pool. And they've got all these different pools. And there's this one that's kind of like a warm pool and it's like hip height. And you just kind of like lounge around there. And it's essentially like a little bit warmer than body temperature. And it's pretty big. And like, there's a bunch of people in there. And there's just a bunch of kids in there and little floaties yeah. floating around and learning yeah. how to swim. So we went. And I was like kind of hesitant. Kate really wanted to go. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I do really like swimming. I spent a good part of my life you know I, I swam competitively all through school so yep. i spent a good time in the pool um we get there and just all these memories come washing back 
That little pond for the kids, <laughs> that is the pee pond, and there is no getting around it. I saw, uh. like, like, and you put, like, these little, like, swim diapers on that do absolutely nothing. <laughs> they hold in the solids at best <laughs> if they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. I'm oh, like, guaranteed so there's, like, our kid peed in there a whole pile. I saw him <laughs> spit up a good spit up twice in there while we were there. So I can't imagine, like, what all of these other, like, ten kids are doing in this pond. Oh, and we're all just gosh. marinating in it. And it's, like, lukewarm <laughs> body temperature. I was like, this is – we're in there for, like, 45 minutes. And I was like, I'm just – I kept thinking about that. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I'm just disgusted. <laughs> I kept taking a nice, cold, sterile shower after. And it's we haven't so been good. back. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, that – it's just hilarious all of the things that could happen and the funniest thing about peeing in a pool is it literally is only you that knows unless you're making some kind of weird face or like all of a sudden concentrating or like something weird but you know i literally (laughs) start swimming really weird like oh like you're dragging your lower half behind you (laughs) just stop talking like in the middle of a sentence Uh, I legitimately do remember as a kid being like totally freaked out when one of my friends said that um, their dad put this chemical in the pool that it would go red if you started to pee in the yeah, pool. Yeah, the red trail. Yeah, n- the red, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I think is a myth. Of course, it's a myth. If I, if it was available at the pool well, store, not, not of course. If it was available at the at the pool store, they would have told you about it. It would be a hot seller. Would you get it though? Like, how devastating would that be? Oh no, you wouldn't. I would not get that. I would not get <laughs> you that. You can't do that to yourself. Yeah, do too, too much torment. Uh, so, Calvin, we have a pretty a pretty good a good uh, interview today, and so I, I don't want to uh, you know have this episode be two hours long. So, uh, what do you nope. what do you say we bring on Brian? Yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, do you want to give a tiny little intro, or would you just let him let him do it? No, let, let, he, I think he did that to himself. <laughs> All right, yeah. awesome. This is uh, Brian uh, at BJ Mac Woodwork. Let's bring him on. Well, you know, my, my life right now is, uh, is is changing pretty dramatically because yeah. of the tiny and the, the the reason that we decided to build the tiny house and take our lives in that direction was because I want to, again, have enough time to start making YouTube videos again and sort of pursue right. that educational theme in my life. I, I enjoy teaching people woodworking and I, and I enjoy spending time with people. So when you're working full time and paying bills and have high rent or mortgages and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, it makes dedicating that that additional time that much more difficult. So we decided that it was a good idea to uh, downsize in a very extreme way and uh, and make our lives really super simple and live in a tiny house and reduce our bills dramatically. And what's that? What that's going to do is it's going to free me up to basically work quote unquote part time. And then be able to spend the remainder of my time making YouTube videos or pursuing those sorts of things where where I could, didn't really have the ability to do it as much before. Well, that's I think that's definitely a good reason and something we can for sure get uh, get into. Calvin, we're probably pretty yeah, much good to good sorry, to start. Eh? I was like just you're probably already recording. I was just doing a few things and I am recording now. I have been recording for a little while, but yeah. uh, so we'll just keep rolling. Um, yeah. So, Brian, you've lived there for ten years. You said. Yeah, about about 10 years ago, I moved back to Canada, and uh, I moved here to Salt Spring Island. And I've very briefly moved off the island, but wound up back here again. Uh, It's a a real nice little community, and 
there's there's you know good work here for me so it's been a good place to sort of yeah pursue my ideas and things like that yeah yeah well i i followed you for quite some time now and so yeah some of the projects that i've seen you take some pretty nice shots and it's just it is incredible like all like right on the water these massive timber frame houses so yeah it seems like you've got some great clientele you're working with yeah, I work mostly for, you know, the, my, my clients, I can pretty much count on one hand. Oh, yeah? And and uh, where I work most of the time is, uh, you know, wonderful folks that uh, have a home on the beach, and that's where my shop is. And um, the, the shop doesn't belong to me, it belongs to them. Hmm. Uh, but they let me set the shop up and build the benches and install everything, and, hmm. and I'm allowed to use the shop to build whatever I choose. And I've... I've worked for them, and they've been clients and friends for about nine years now. Oh wow! And and yeah, it's a, it's a great relationship that I have with them. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting. Like, I, Jeremy, you'll probably know more about this than I do, but like you're kind of you live probably one of the most expensive places in Canada, right? As far as that like is, housing accommodations go. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Rents here, you know, if you want to find something that's say sub one thousand dollars a month for yes. rent. Yep. You're looking at, uh, you know, some sort of a closet full of mold that has like no running water. It's going to be bad. So anything <laughs> decent that, you know, that is clean and updated and has good appliances, you're looking sort of, you know, minimum of twelve or $1,300 a month for something really small. And if you mm-hmm. want to get a house, then you're approaching $2,000 a month. So that that's a high cost. And then the other extremely high cost here is because it's an island, the grocery store is 25% more expensive. The hardware oh, store right. is 25 you know, everything that you purchase here is more expensive. So we often find ourselves going off island or going to Vancouver to, you know, stock up on things. So, Brian, maybe you can kind of walk us through. Are, are you in the house now? Are you in the tiny house now or are you still about to get into it? Last night was our third night that we've slept in the house. Okay. Absolutely- Come on. Well, thanks so yeah. much for taking some time. I'm sure you're eager to get home. <laughs> no, he, well, he, he yeah. hates it. He does. He's... <laughs> it's too small. <laughs> no. no, you know what? It's, it's, I've never been happier living. I've, I've owned my own home many times, and I've had big houses, and I've had medium houses, and I've never felt more comfortable in this little house. It's just absolutely fantastic. I'm I'm so curious. I, I really want you to kind of walk us through, I guess, that whole process for you, and and you don't have to take super long, but I mean, um, I, I'm curious to know how you, you know, you guys eventually um, came to the conclusion that this is what you wanted to do, and then the process of building it all yourself. How do you, yeah, kind of start us out in, with that? Well, I think you can, if if you were to kind of go back to your first question about living on a little island and the high cost of living here, you know, it, it all sort of begins there, and you know, you often find yourself in this modern world, whether you're in the city where you guys are, I think, in eastern Canada or. Or, or here where I am, you know, these, these high cost of living situations that we get ourselves into, it's it's a treadmill and you don't really get anywhere and it gets frustrating, you know, years and years can go by and you don't feel like your savings account is, is at the point where you want it. You know, I, I'm always sort of thinking, you know, 10 or 20 years ahead, I want to be able to retire comfortably. I, I see people that do that, that retire very, very comfortably mm-hmm. and they don't have to worry and I want to be one of those people. And it just seems like the path of, especially here where I, you know, I'm near Vancouver, a crappy house in Vancouver is two or $3 million. Yeah. Right? It seems like that pathway of homeownership 
consumes every minute of your day. You need to work, you know, 12 hour days, seven days a week to be able to, you know, uh, meet those obligations. And I, I don't know, I'm just not willing to do that. So I want to do the things that I enjoy. I, I want to spend time with my children and my, my wife. And, and, you know, I want, I want a life that's rich and full of experiences now. I don't want to wait 20 years for it. So it's important to me to, um, you know, spend time with my family now and, um, yeah, so that that's sort of why I've made the choices that I have. Yeah, and I guess I mean, even to get more into that, I mean, you're a you're a woodworker by trade. Um, I am also a woodworker by trade, so I know I know what the paycheck is for that, and I yeah. also know it's, it doesn't work to, with a three million dollar house. <laughs> no, it, ab- it absolutely doesn't. No, and 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 that's been part of the quest is to find a balance where. Uh, you know, the tiny house gives us the right. ability to uh, me work at what I'm doing and earn, uh, you know, the there's a glass ceiling in the trades, you know, so I can That's I right. can I can earn I can earn that 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 level of earning that we all sort of expect within the trades and still provide, uh, you know, a good life to my family and still have abundance and still be mm. able to take time off and and that sort of thing and still save for the future. Right. That's a big part of it. Well, that's, yeah, I think that's, that's exactly it. So how was it for you guys making that decision? Were you, is this kind of a dream you had that you had to sell your family on? No, it was, it was pretty collective. You know, I think maybe three or four years ago we started, um, you know, you started seeing like more and more videos on YouTube of people downsizing and doing the tiny house thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. And and uh, my original idea was actually to build a container home. I thought about getting yep. several containers, stacking them up, and doing it that way. But really, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that if you go the route of container homes, then you need to buy the land first. Right. And I I, I want to be able to be a little bit more mobile, a little bit more flexible, and be able to save money really fast. So having the tiny house on wheels made sense because I can find situations. For example, where I am now. Uh, I was able to find a place to be where the you know the cost of rent is virtually free because I'm helping out the landowner. I figured out my own electricity. I figured out my own water. I figured out my own uh, you know drainage systems. I figured it all out myself. It was bare wow. land. There's nothing there. So I provided myself with my services, and the landowner didn't have to worry about anything. So I'm able to keep our cost of living at a really really you know simple. Uh, low cost whereas if i would have gone with the container homes it's much more much more permanent where you would have to have a semi truck come and bring them in and put them mm. on a pad and do all this sort of stuff and it just seemed a little more costly and complex than going with the simple tiny house well and i think that's mm. kind of the neat part about the tiny house of course is that you know it, it is fully mobile and you do have that option to you know pick up and go wherever which i think is a lot of um like that, I think that that's kind of, uh, I guess the the romantic part about tiny house living is that you can kind of put it anywhere you want, whether you guys do that or not, whatever. But it's it's nice to know at least in, the, in your back pocket you have that option. Yeah, you know, and and I remember I remember when I started doing this, and my mother uh, I had a conversation with her about it. And she said, "Well, you're crazy. Why are you doing? Why wouldn't you just buy an RV?" And uh, we we lived in an RV for a short time, okay, two months. And an, and, an, and an RV, it seems like they're really cheaply – they don't feel like a house. They don't feel mm-hmm. like you're in a home. All the, all the little cabinet doors are like paper thin. Oh, it's not a house. Make no mistake. No, it's not. 
it it doesn't and it doesn't feel cozy. It yes. doesn't feel homey. It doesn't it has none of that feel to it. So by building my own tiny house, I've made it a home. I mean, you know, you go inside of it and you don't feel like you're in a little box on a trailer. It doesn't feel that way. It feels mm. homey. It's nice. Yeah. Right. My initial goal was about nine months to get the whole thing done, which was way over ambitious. Right. <laughs> it didn't turn out that way because I'm, you know, I'm basically working full time and doing that at the same time. Right. Right. And also doing it without borrowing any money Whoa. and, 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 and having zero debt. So, you know, that was, that was the goal is to be able at the end of what we were doing to be able to move into a home with a blank slate and no debt. So, and then we managed to do that. That's wow. Incredible. I, th- I think that's, you know, I, I look at people uh, that are my age around me that, um, you know, some of them are swimming in so much debt that, you know, they don't sleep at night. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're, they're, it, it makes for a very difficult existence. And I, and I know I get stressed out about stuff like that. I like yeah. I, 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 I mull it over and I ruminate on it and I, and I, and I can't sleep. And so I, I just prefer the lifestyle of, you know, simple living where, um I don't have that stress, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's just better, better for us. And so to build the tiny house over the course of 18 months, it's just been basically a weekly affair where, you know, every single week, here's my extra three or 400 bucks. And this is going towards the tiny house. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's how we've done it. That's how we, we've made it happen that way. And the other thing about like, I, I followed it all the way along. Like you haven't exactly skimped on anything. Have you? Like it's, it, it's in yep. my mind, it's quite high end, and that's because you, I mean, you've been able to do all of it yourself, so you can afford to, you know, uh, cost yourself out at zero dollars. But uh, it's kind of nice that you haven't really, in my mind, I don't, I don't think you've made a whole lot of sacrifices in terms of what kind of the dream tiny house would be for you. Yeah, and, and the interesting part of that is that because it's a tiny house. Um, I, you know, I, I put a curved roof on it and I had to buy, uh, I had to have, have its custom made special curved metal roofing to put right, on it. Right. All that, that, that standing seam. Yeah. Yeah. And so that would have been extremely costly on a regular sized house, but because it's a tiny house, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been able to not get, not cheap out and get nice things, but because the quantity's low, it hasn't been an exorbitant cost. Mm-hmm. Right. So Brian, why don't you, uh, why don't you take us inside? I'm sure you spent, uh, a lot of time thinking about the design for it. We just heard about the roof, but what are some of the things that you decided you wanted to include? And I know there's all kinds of fun ways to build storage space. Are there any particular things you love what you did on it? Or yeah, why don't you just kind of take us inside and share with us some of, some of your thinking behind what you designed? If I were to sort of take you on a tour of it, it all sort of start. you know, I remember looking at some of the online plans for tiny homes and, and none of them really fit us. And I think that's the interesting thing about the tiny houses is you really have to think about what your lifestyle is and uh, design your house around that. So, for example, uh, my family, we're, we're not really living room people. Right. We're, you know, if we're at home, we're either having a meal or we're going to bed. We don't, <laughs> we don't have a TV. And, you know, I, I watch things on our laptop sometimes or or on the phone, um, but we don't, don't have a TV, never have. And so we don't really chill in a living room for long periods of time. We've never done that. So okay. we didn't we didn't need to waste square footage inside the tiny house right. for a big living room space with, you know, the big L couch thing in the corner and all that sort of stuff. It, it, it's sort of unnecessary for us. So uh, our house is designed around the fact that uh, my wife is an excellent cook. She's an amazing cook. So I built a really big kitchen. 
there's about 12 feet lineal lineal feet of countertop space in the tiny house wow. there's a nice big fridge there's a full stove and tons of storage a pantry cabinet a closet and everything and so that takes up probably um, not half but maybe a third of the length of the, the main mm. floor of the tiny house and then past that is there's going to you know there there is and, and, uh, and i'm going to modify it as time goes by there's a living space that is sort of modular there's some things we can move around to sit on uh, so that we can use it as an eating space or get everything out of the way and just leave it as an open space. And then, uh, and then a nice big bathroom. We all wanted a bathtub. So that's, uh, that, that was important to us. Very cool. I still have to finish the bathroom. Um, but, uh, we're, we're, we're getting there. I'm going to make a wooden bathtub. So that'll be one of my next big projects. But yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy that one. Sort of moving on with the tour. Uh, there's, uh, ladders to go up into the lofts. So my daughter has her own loft, and uh, and my wife and I have a nice big long loft that we can have all our clothes up there and everything, and our bed. And uh, you know, it's really spacious. It's mm-hmm. I think if if you design something around your needs and and what you need, you don't need much space. You know. So. Well, that that is definitely true. And you know, you talked about an RV a, a little while ago and how you know it's not as quality. Calvin and I have a 1979 RV that we like to road trip around and would totally, (laughs) yeah, it's pretty funny and would totally agree that, yeah, it's cheap and it is not really that homey in there. For us, it is. For our wives, definitely not so much. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah. 1979, yeah, but you've got some just gorgeous wood paneling in there. Of course. There really is. Yeah. (laughs) We should show you some pics. But, um, you know, we've gone on five week long adventures with five guys in there and it's it's enough space you got your stuff for your bags and um enough space for people to sleep and kind of hang out and it's pretty crazy that it yeah we have so much space in our life and you know people yeah i don't know so it's just it's just an interesting perspective i think it's going back to jeremy like what brian was saying like creating a space that suits you and so for yeah having five guys living in an rv sounds kind of wild but consider like we completely ripped out the kitchen and just made it all like living space because that's what we were doing in it so it just kind of yeah it's different for every you know purpose that it's going to have yeah yeah and i you know i think that the other thing is uh, you know the whole living small portion of the most difficult part for most people most people think when they think of tiny houses oh i could never do that Mm -hmm. and the the first thing that comes into their mind is all their stuff so you need Uh, to detach yourself from stuff so, you know, and, and, and it's every single aspect of, of what you own. So, like, I've gone through all my clothes, and there's, we all have that, you know, like, six to eight pairs of pants that you're like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to wear those, but you never wear them. Right. Yeah. Those, and those they're got, still in great condition, so why would you get rid of them? They're beautiful. Why, you know, those were like 60 bucks. Why would you get, well, you got to get rid of them. Yeah. Right? So, and then, you know, I have maybe 10 T-shirts now. That's it. Mm-hmm. All the other T-shirts that I never used to wear, they're all gone. You know, so... Everything, you know, shoes, you know, pair of shoes I haven't worn in two years, but I really like them, but I haven't worn them in two years. So you know what? They're gone. And it's actually, you know, at the time when you're going through it, you're like, there's part of you that hesitates and you're like, well, I don't want to get rid of these things. But Mm -hmm. then once it's all gone and you feel kind of liberated, actually, you know, there's, it's sort of like, wow, I'm not, I'm not the custodian of all this crap anymore. In right. all honesty, how much stuff ended up in your shop when you were going through the pare-down <laughs> process? 
You know, I've gotten rid of a ton of tools as well because I'm eventually, once I'm done the house, I'm going to build myself a tiny workshop on wheels. And, no and that's going to be a fun project as well so that when the time comes for us to move somewhere else in the country, I can take my work and my home with me. And um, Oh, that and, is awesome. So I'm downsizing wow. everything. You know, I'm, I'm trying to pare my tools down to just what I need to do my job. I don't, I don't need three chisels that are the same size. I don't need 25 hand planes anymore. I don't need, you know, there's a lot of things that when you're a tool guy, you sort of collect stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and most of it is, is unnecessary. I, I had a funny thing. I was, I have a very small shop in my basement, Brian. And so I'm building a little desk right now. And I, I'm kind of have similar to you where I, I've collected tools over the last 10 years or so. And I was working away these last few weeks and I noticed that I had three, three quarter inch chisels and I just, one would get dull and I would be in a hurry and I would just grab the next one that was sharp. And then yesterday I realized I have all these chisels and they're all dull and I had to spend two and a half hours just sharpening my like <laughs> 20 chisels. And I was like, oh, I just need to like get rid of half these and sharpen as yep. I go. And I would be a lot happier, I think. So, Brian, I, I guess kind of one of the other things I'd really like to hear from you is kind of your, your passion for teaching woodworking and, and we talked a little bit about this. I mean, you've been doing it for a long time. Uh, you document everything that you do extremely well, and it's all written in a very uh, unpretentious way and very clear. Uh, how did you kind of get into that model of teaching um, and, and showing what you're doing? Well, completely by accident. When I started using Instagram, uh, that was, I don't know, maybe three years ago now, my wife uh, at the time, I think I just built something that I was quite proud of. And my wife was like, you need to start taking pictures of all your work. And, uh, and I, cause I never did. I just made right. things. And so I started taking pictures of it and posting them online and people started asking me questions. And I found that I really enjoyed answering their questions. Mm. And you, at the time, it's not so much anymore. I think there's, there's been a bit of a shift, but at the time, uh, and, and you see this not so much online, but also in person on work sites mm -hmm. and, and with tradesmen. There's this sort of strange attitude of, well, my knowledge cost me 25 years of hard work, so screw everybody. I'm not telling <laughs> anybody how any. And right, I've like that that's most... valuable, and I need to keep that to myself because it's valuable. Yeah, yeah and I've always thought that's just the stupidest thing. You know, right. it's there, there's no need for that really. You know, if if you're the kind of person that it wants to hoard knowledge to yourself. Uh, there's a, there's a, I don't know, there's a selfishness in that, that I, that I think is, is unbecoming of a craftsperson who has almost a moral obligation to pass on what they've learned. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've many times on the work site come across uh, a young uh, man or woman that is starting out in the trades and has a question about something. And they're very, they're almost hesitant, like, Oh, you know, hey, you know, how how do you do this? And there's almost a fear in asking, mm -hmm. and 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 that's that's too bad. That's too bad that people feel that way because they've encountered negative experiences with others. Mm -hmm. And so I found that when I started posting pictures online of my work, I began posting pictures of how I was making things, and and then that led to people asking, oh, why do you use that rotor bit? Why are you using that finish? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And I just really enjoyed talking to people about it. And I'm the kind of person that, you know, if you ask me about sandpaper, I could probably talk to you about it for like three hours. Right. So, um, you know, it's 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 my thing. It's up my alley. So mm -hmm. I, I just enjoy uh, 
talking to people about the thing that I've been doing for 25, 30 years now. So it was it was completely accidental, the teaching woodworking thing. You know, it wasn't anything that I sought to do. But I found that, you know, because I live in a pretty remote place, there's not many people here and I'm always working. So my mm-hmm. social life is pretty small. <laughs> right. I found that, that you know, the, 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 that phrase social network was very true for me. It became a way to relate to people and have friends online that uh, that was really valuable to me. You know, I, I, I've made many great friendships with people through Instagram that have been enduring excellent friendships over the years. So knowledge has been democratized by the internet in, in a way that it, it never was in the past. Yeah. And so participating in that is fun. You know, it's, it, it's mm-hmm. an activity that, that is, that is new to the world and didn't exist before. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's a neat thing. And, you know, I think one of the things, you know, my, my following on Instagram grew really big. I don't think because, I put effort into being popular. I think it grew because I really did my best never to belittle anyone's question, to That's treat right. everyone's question respectfully and answer every single question I ever get. You know, so I do miss some if somebody posts a question mm-hmm. on a picture that I posted a year ago. Well, I'm, I'm never going to see that question. Right, right. <laughs> in my feed. I, I won't know it's there and I don't have time to go back through my mm-hmm. old pictures. So, but if, if somebody, um, sends me a direct message on Instagram, uh, I will absolutely answer it. How have you, um, I mean, so you've been doing, I think, you've probably put a fair amount of time, I think, into um, into your post. How, how have you been managing um, kind of this, the other side of what you do, and that's kind of the tool review things, and how did you get into that, and, and what's that like with uh, companies approaching you, and what's your attitude towards that? Well, my attitude towards that, <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to be a big tool reviewer because I'm not going to, I'm not going to ever lie about a tool that's given to me. I just uh, did a review of a chop saw that a company mm-hmm. sent to me, and I absolutely lambasted them because it was an absolutely horrible tool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and I think that there's something wrong with that because if you're a tool maker and you make a tool that is frustrating for people to use, you're actually discouraging people from enjoying the craft that they're seeking to, to, to learn a little bit about. So I think making a crappy tool is a stupid thing. So, uh, you know, tool manufacturers are probably going to see the fact that I'm going to be deadly honest right. and say, yeah, I don't think we're going to send that guy to it. But it's just or they'll take the gamble on you. Yeah. You know, um, some tool companies have sent me lots of stuff because I think they're confident about their tools, mm-hmm. and, and that's been great. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not a professional tool reviewer, but I think people look at that big number on Instagram and go, oh, let's send that guy a tool. Sure. Right. But. Uh, so you welcome I, them up I, I to give, this I, point? I give them away. I don't keep them. Oh, okay. Uh, the the chop saw that I just got, that's going to the local high school. Oh, nice. Yeah, along, along with some drills and things. I mean, I, I guess I can. Oh, so sell. you're pawning off the crappy. It tools was really on the dangerous to use, so he's going it to giving it to the high school. <laughs> it's not, it's not dangerous. It's just a, my, my problem. My problem with the chop saw was that uh, for the market that's going into for Finnish carpenters, uh, it's inadequate. You know, it's not. Right. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I don't think it's unsafe. It's going to be great for high school kids to learn how to use it and everything. But yeah. if you're going out there and you're going to go drop five or six hundred bucks on one tool you should expect a reasonable level of accuracy from it and this, this one was just absolutely terrible yeah was this the is this the delta one 
Yeah, it's called the Cruiser. So. Yeah, I'll they've, read that review. They've been review. pouring That's a lot of good. dough into good. marketing that thing. I've seen it. I've seen it a lot. Yeah, I, you know, I was hopeful about it because when I was uh, younger, one of my very first tools was a was an old uh, Delta Unisaw that I fixed up and, and got running, and it was a very heavy, dependable old tool. And I've I've had bandsaws and and jointers, and Delta sort of has always, for me anyway, with the tools that I've had, been synonymous with a certain level of quality. But um, that wasn't reflected in this chop saw unfortunately yeah and i think the honesty is good i'm looking at this la this review on your last post i like your last sentence a lot i'm sorry delta machinery but i'm giving this saw two thumbs down <laughs> well you know Seems good. i have to apologize if i do anything negative at all. yeah <laughs> well i know i feel like it's uh you know it's um again it's this place where you are you know you know what you need to do with a tool and you figure out all right. Well, here's the the honest review, and yeah, I mean, I wish I could say something good, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna perjure myself on uh, Instagram in front of my people. <laughs> yeah, it's not really worth it. And then, well, here's what I think about too. Like, if I was just in it for the for the bucks and stuff, then that would be one thing. But I think about the fact that based on what I say about that tool, you know, many people could go out and waste their money on it, and, and yeah. that would be that would be unfortunate, and I would be culpable, and, and I don't I don't want that. Um, Brian, one thing that I'm wondering if you can provide Calvin and I, uh, maybe some advice or maybe some, uh, maybe some design thinking, would you be open to a question around that? Sure. Yeah. Calvin and I have had this RV that we mentioned a little while ago for coming on. Oh my gosh. Six, six years now. We bought it at the end of 2010. Um, and we've gone through a motor, a transmission, a this, a that, and the other. And right now, the RV is in a very bad way where it has a seized motor and is bound for the uh, scrapyard. Until yes. we had a vision of resurrecting the RV one last time. And long story short, we have a used engine that we can... Um, Put in, and we have some folks that are potentially going to help us do that. But we're also debating totally gutting the thing and using the shell to kind of start from scratch and make it into a, uh, you know, we're right now just dreaming about what the thing could look like on the inside. Do you have any thoughts on something we should include or something we should think about? Or do you want to totally say, you guys should not do that? The project is too ambitious. What are your so can, thoughts for us? Give me, a, give me a description of what kind of motorhome we're talking about here. Is it a van front or is it a uh, the kind of motorhome that has like it's a it's a class A with the you know it's a full... class C. It's a twenty two foot um, with the uh, with the crow's nest. It's a GMC V eight. Um, yeah, does that describe it? It's a van. It's a it's yes. A, okay, um, I would say that. Uh, well, it's it isn't like not like a not like a small van. Like it's got the it full like, double bed over top of the over yeah, top of the cab. cab. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's a it's a it's but it's not a bus. It's a dually van chassis, is what it is. You, you got, got it. it. Yes, you got it. Yeah. Okay, so I would say from 1979, I would be very <laughs> tempted if you guys if you guys are serious about you know maybe making something that you want to use uh, into the future and enjoy, I would. I would really think about. 
I would think about scrapping the idea of redoing something of that vintage because if it's from the late seventies, you're talking about sort of a kind of a bad era for. <laughs> oh, we know, Brian. <laughs> I, I would I would have almost preferred that you said, "Hey, we've got uh, you know a motorhome that we're going to redo from the early sixties," because at least then it would have been sort of vintage iron dependable kind of stuff. But the late seventies, early eighties is just, you know, this sort of era of disposable crap. So my, <laughs> my, my, you know, without seeing it, cause you know, it's hard for me to say without seeing it, but with, without seeing it, if the motor's seized, if you've got a bad transmission, um, I would say, no, the transmission is great now. It's just the motor. <laughs> the motor. Well, you know, I guess you could pull the transmission. Could you find, you know, for if you just think dollars and cents, could you find something that was maybe a little bit newer or a little bit older that was in better condition that would be a, a more suitable platform for for doing what you want to do? You know what I mean? Like you're going to sink a certain amount of money into doing it. So is it worth it to kind of upgrade a little bit? These are the questions. Uh, this is exactly what we, we've been wrestling with. I mean, our goal, of course, is to not sink a ton of dough into this project, whether we continue with the current beast or we move on to something else. Um, so I, I think we're going to ride out to see if we can get this motor working. I mean, and if that's good, I think we're pretty golden. We've put probably a couple hundred thousand kilometers on this as is. <laughs> Well, it's almost worth it to keep going, then, I guess, isn't it? You know, it's funny. I was I'm, I was born in 1975, and that was sort of it. Always pissed me off that there was no car from 1975 that looks nice. <laughs> Every single car from 1975 is the ugliest vehicle ever made by man. Every I would have to agree. It's not really. There's nothing nice really that came out of that time. No one cares. No, it really isn't. You know, you could get a Volkswagen Bug. Yeah, those were kind of nice. Um, there was a couple things in in the 70s that were all right, but you know, 1975. If you look at just about any car, I've, I don't know how many times I've gone on the auto trader things because I've always thought it'd be cool to have a car from the year I was born. Right. And I've looked, you know, like model 1975. What's out there? Totally. Like, nope. Ugly. Oh my God. Look at that. Well, you know, it's every single one is just terrible. Okay. Well, Brian, we're not going to let you totally off the hook. Let's just say we were going to do this. What would be one thing that you think would be cool for us to include? I would say the if I was to recommend one thing to you to do to you know it's it's a little bit of a uh, funny thing to put into a motorhome, but if you're going to be doing it yourselves, you might as well go for it. Uh, I would um, connect with uh, the people that supplied me with the wood stove that I have for my tiny house, and they have these they're called dwarf wood stoves. They have a three kilowatt, a four kilowatt, and a five kilowatt, and I would probably get a little three kilowatt wood stove. And, you know, you would be able to keep that little thing toasty and hot in the winter. You could do road trips anytime. And I would definitely put one of those in there. I think I think that a little wood stove uh, would be an extremely cool addition. And then probably the other thing that I would think about doing if I was because you sort of want four seasons motorhome or no. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well, we're in, I think we're in so. Canada. Yeah. I'd keep the plumbing inside the walls. So not or okay. not, not not inside the wall cavity, but inside the you know the the actual motorhome itself so that you don't get pipes freezing you know, right because the i don't know how close the the plumbing is to the outer surfaces of the walls in a 1979 motorhome but i would be worried about um pipes freezing in the winter time yeah currently the whole the whole water system is a little bit of a a question mark we basically just fill the tank and then we put a 
makeshift tap on the outside of the RV that just had a single valve. <laughs> we made a direct line urinal at the back, and that's basically it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe we'll send you a photo so you can you can uh, be f further validated that we are a lost cause. <laughs> we should move on. <laughs> but like, well, you know, you you could also just just go go nuts and just keep the chassis and cab and get rid of the crappy motorhome part and uh, and actually build a house on the back of it. Ooh. Oh, that would you be know, hilarious. Yeah. Two, right. two pitch roof, shingle the roof, make it look like super like, you know, old-fashioned cabin. Right. And just go for it. Just oh. build a build wooden shanty shack on the back of it. Like that's I really like that, Jared. Like we've talked a little bit about that and and doing but not that extreme. Yeah, there's just so much potential. And, you know, now that we've had this thing for five years, Brian, and we've had all these great adventures in it, we just like, do we really want to just see it go to the scrapyard? Like, maybe that's the right thing, but we just, you know, we want to just keep asking the question. Yeah, you could just, just build some sort of a cool cabin on the back of it. I remember years ago when I first went down to Mexico, I was 18, and uh, a couple of these guys, these guys showed up from Oregon, and they were driving a, uh, must have been like a 1940s uh, farm truck with, you know, dually rear end on it, probably like a five ton or a 10 ton truck. And it literally had a log cabin on the back of it. And it was the goofiest, funnest looking thing you've ever seen in your life. It had a huge wood stove in it. And uh, it was great. You know, it was, <laughs> I've always wanted to do something like that. Some yeah. of these uh, house truck things are just, just fantastic. I love them. Well, uh, Jer, any any final thoughts you want to ask Brian? I mean, we, we've got him here. He's pretty much answered everything for us. He hasn't shied away. I know he's been so he's been so good, Brian. I mean, I yeah, I appreciate um, you coming on to to speak speak with us today. I think this is a just a well rounded interview. I'm very satisfied, Brian. Thank you so much. Well, thank you guys for uh, having me on. It's been fun chatting with you, and uh, I've enjoyed listening to your podcasts in the past. And the sort of conversational nature and the the joking around stuff's great. <laughs> Thanks wow. for having me on. Yeah, no problem at all. Brian, where can people um, find you and follow what you're doing? Yeah, my uh, Instagram account is at bjmacwoodwork. And uh, my email address is learningwoodworking at gmail.com. And uh, people ask me questions through that often. And then on YouTube, my YouTube channel is, uh, if you just uh, type into YouTube, learn woodwork my uh, little channel icon comes up on there so and that you... and and you're saying there's going to be some more fun stuff there in the future for sure 100 percent. there's going to be a lot of cool stuff there yeah yeah I, i'd highly recommend to our listeners checking out um brian's instagram even if you're not a woodworker or not into woodworking particularly uh the content brian has on there is really uh, it's really fun to read and to uh, as he's saying like even just the art of kind of writing descriptions that um, work in a really metaphysical way. It's it's pretty fun to to see how he comes up with all that. So definitely definitely check it out. Yeah, that's great, Brian. Thanks so much for your time today. Right on. Thanks. It was great chatting with you guys. All right. Thank you, Brian. Calvin, thanks for getting Brian to come on the show. I uh, that guy was by far one of the most pleasant humans I've ever spoken with. So good get right. Oh, and just like what get. a thoughtful guy. Like I feel like everything he does, it's so well thought through. And I know if he were on this, he'd be like, that, eh, not at all. But from my perspective, and from talking with the guy, and from 
following him for so long, he just, the word that comes to mind is thoughtful. Yep, totally agree. Uh, totally agree. And it it puts um, a, a a good bit of weight on many of his comments because, you know, he is so thoughtful. That's but right, some, that's true. So, some of those comments disturbed me a little bit, Calvin. Did you go reading? No, 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 no. The comments on his Instagram I loved, but the comments he made on the show just now disturbed me. Oh, okay. Well, elaborate. He just said we need to get rid of our RV. That is disturbing. <laughs> and that is we have <laughs> But you know what, Jer? Okay, what? go on, go on. I was gonna say we have been holding off to give our listeners an R V update for this episode because like I did in the show, I asked him what some of his thoughts were, but his answer, I have to admit, caught me completely off guard. And you could hear that in there where I was like, okay, uh, didn't know you are going to say that, but can you still tell us something anyway? Now, I, I thought he was going to put a little more value on the sentiment aspect of the rig. But he threw that out the window as I guess he's become pretty hardened for having to purge most of his worldly belongings. But I don't know if I would call that being hardened, and but I would attribute it to that, right? He's now someone who has downsized his life. He has... Remember, he talked about those things in his closet that maybe at one point either had sentimental value or were That's still right. useful. And he said, no, I'm going to move on. I'm going to do the next thing. Well, and he sees crap in his life and he just gets rid of it, right? Flushes it, if you will. And definitely a lot of people we know look at that RV and see crap. Oh, yeah. People that... <laughs> I hate to think that, but people do. You're right. <laughs> and some people that we love dearly and are very close to us, in fact. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> that's um, why it's like for, Lily has never really nailed the first impression Depend again depending on who you are well, it's yeah. like Lady Gaga some people go Gaga for Gaga other people are like why is she wearing a meat dress you don't get it <laughs> if you don't get it you don't get it right and you never will and that's the thing but that's the problem is Brian does get it and he still told us to get rid of that thing the thing about the RV is that it has the X factor it does also it's hilarious that I just said Brian and then looked over your shoulder at your TV and Brian Baumgartner Kevin from the office is just staring at me <laughs> pauses on the TV <laughs> Kevin's big dome on the screen anyway sorry continue what you were saying I, I'm just saying that the RV, like a lot of, you know, um, misunderstood celebrities, has that X factor where yes. very hard to understand, yep. um, however, means a lot to a lot of people. Yes. And so if we do for a moment together, go through some thoughts on what we can do to make this thing awesome. Um, let's just say f for the sake of argument, it's it's November, end of November, early December right now. Okay. Let's say spring 2018. We want to do a full reno. Uh, what 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 do we do? I mean, first things first, Jeremy. Get this thing back on the road. Like we've got to get it worthy to stand on its own four legs again. And did we say on the podcast that Rudy found an engine for we, this thing, or we, no? We did talk about that. We talked about we the have engine. audio from your guy. I'm working on audio from my guy. Yes, this is like happening. Yes. So right now, Calvin and I are thinking, okay, we got this engine that is a used engine that my dad miraculously traded for a tractor flat repair. And that's maybe a story for another day or another podcast. And we have all these people that we know that are incredible creators that could help us to renovate this thing. So Calvin and I are kind of like, let's bring this 
this beast back to life. Let's put a new motor in it. Let's gut the thing and make it pretty. And, and like, create just, content all along the wave with it. Yeah, and create content for our listeners and for people who are interested in building something and learning about the the like life on the road and all that crap that we have done in our uh, in our life and on our adventures. So I mean, so. we we just see the opportunity, right? I mean, we've wrestled with this. I mean, do we just destroy it? I was I came a long way, right, Jared? I wanted to get rid of this thing, and you then did. I I came around as soon as I saw hope. Um, from a mechanical perspective, I was like, oh, there is hope. We can get this thing resurrected back on the road. And, uh, I mean, this thing's got, still got a lot of kilometers left on her. Yeah, I think it does, especially if there is this motor. And um, I was concerned about who was going to put the motor in because that's obviously a huge job. Um, but I, I think my dad's working some connections. I have this cousin who just moved back to town from uh, four hours away. And we can maybe put it on a friend of his yard and they can work on it in the evenings and there is no rush on this so if he just no. tinkers with it no, over no, the no. winter so um do you say no there's no rush or there I is said, a rush no there's there's no rush yeah um yeah you can't you can't rush that thing um brian's comment very interesting i found um where he just thought that that era for vehicles is just the scourge of a generation mm. that was i compelling. never thought about that that was compelling right yeah, and I have to agree with him. Think yeah. about how awesome the 60s Mustang is and how stupid that, like, 70s, like, th- there's this, like, there's just, there, there is nothing great that came out of there. Yeah, it's very And think about it. Even in other parts of uh, humanity, like, what when you think about the 70s or 80s, what do you like, uh, disco? Or, th- like, think about the 60s. Like, we sent a man to the moon in the 60s. Then it was, like, dead for a year until, you know, the iPod came out. <laughs> That's right. That's dead right. Dead for 50 years, rather. Sorry. Uh, no. But, um, yeah. So, so oh, here's another thing that I loved what he said. He one, His upgrade he did talk about was something that you had actually talked about. Did that validate you in a way that you got excited? What was the item? The stove. The stove. Yes. I mean, I very well may have stolen that idea from him originally. Ah. Um, but yeah, anyways, d- d- the stove he put in his house is unreal. It's so teeny, but it's really cool. And again, like making that thing into like this badass you know, camp stove lounge would be so wicked. Oh, oh, 100%. The other thing that I want to add in here is when Calvin and I have been thinking about this is... We're trying to come up with a way where we can do it like zero waste. So maybe we should bring back our our friend Jonathan Levy to talk about that. Where can we get materials from? Can we connect with people who and just and just retrofit it with scraps? Like I think that would be so cool too. Right. To kind of not like to try to do it on zero dollars and only on trades and bargains and scrap. Again, adds in that whole other factor. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we kind of like. You and I know a number like that we're willing to put into this thing, but it's not that high dollar-wise. No. And our wives would probably not even like the low number we we're <laughs> having in our heads. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's kind of, I mean, our only option. And this is, in fact, where I do think that Brian was potentially wrong, where... You know, if he's like, oh, you could probably replace it for pretty cheap. And he so he's right. We could replace it for between five and ten thousand bucks. Like that would get us a lot of RV. But we want to do this for like less than a thousand bucks. And we already have it. 
It's there. The engine is sitting on a tire in my dad's shop. Yeah. This week I'm going to post a photo of this hilarious engine. Yeah. And like the scraps are ready to be built into a cool bench and like Calvin's heater can or stove can be made out of an old propane tank. Like it's all so cool and it's so there. It's very close. So, yeah, we're 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 very excited about it and we we see the potential. Can't help but see potential in that thing. I don't know. It's like it's like it's your own child, right? Who's just run you through the ringer and you're like, yeah. "Oh, still <laughs> you can do anything, sweetie." Right. Now, and the other thing that I that I that you you know, you think is like, "Oh, well, we have nothing to lose right now. The thing's a piece of crap. It's total garbage." But if we start to go down this road, do you think it's like, okay, now we can't stop? Or do you think we would would be able to stop ourselves if we like gut it, we find out the whole thing is rotten, it's an absolute joke, the engine's not working, do we then throw in the towel? I mean, I don't think so because it's pretty raunch as it is right now. Right. So like how much <laughs> worse is it gonna get? Like we pretty much know, like it's not it's a pretty transparent individual. I mean, we, yeah. we know most of what's going on with that thing. Yes and no. What if we pull that roof down? Like, that thing has been leaking and Well, yeah, exactly. I know that thing's leaking. I know what's up there. It's not going to be pretty. Right. So, But the thing, yeah. like what Brian said, is, like, these things, they're small. So a repair, like, on your house, which would be overwhelming, to do it on an RV, that's nothing. It's like, that's nothing. That's half a day to do to repair that. Yeah. So I'm thinking we book like a couple weekends in the spring. We do some prep all through. We start to plan this thing out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think it could be really fun. Oh, I know it could be really fun. How much effort in the next six months do you think you could put towards this, though, Calvin? We're both busy guys. We're far away from each other. You got a family. I am busy with my hot tub. Yeah, you're very busy with your <laughs> hot tub these days. Um, I don't know. I mean, you and I need to get together and plan out. Like, we're pretty good at that, but we need to plan out exactly like what we think is realistic. And I think you and I have a good. We're able to get to that level, but also push each other, right. and kind of up the ante. So we need to have a serious sit down. And uh, and I think more than you and me, because you're right. Like, we don't have time to just pour into this. It's going to be involving more than just you and me. Yeah. Like this thing is services many people and there's no reason why they can't all contribute well and that's what i was thinking in this planning session we're going to talk about okay listeners of this podcast send us something awesome to build into the rv or give us an idea or you know the other idea that is so cool is the periscope idea that we've had for years can we finally make it a reality to can put we a periscope finally do in this, this periscope thing? i know a guy who has built a very successful periscope and i think he will be down to help us out so like we that, that's those are the contacts that we got to lock in yep. and and give our pitch to. Just like Jay traveling all over, seeing these big high flyers for you know give yeah. some pitches. Yes, we got to we got to be more like Jay. Yep, we got to be more like Jay. Ask for referrals. Talk to the people that we know. Um, side note: uh, If you remember our episode with Jay, we still have a couple of gift cards that we're giving away. Oh um, yeah! And to, today, the day we're recording this, is actually Giving Tuesday. And so, um, you know, give, give a little back. Give a little back. It's the day after Cyber Monday. So uh, it's a day to think about good causes around the world and give stuff back. But that's a totally tangential comment on yeah. this episode. On a side note, though, their update is sweet. Eh? Have you seen that? Multiple, um, multiple projects. Multiple projects. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. I guess we should say to enter the contest, just download the app and send us a screenshot to our slide into our DM. Send us a screenshot. Super easy. 
and uh, you'll we'll be send you a ten dollar we'll, card. We'll, we'll just send te- you a ten dollar card. We'll text or email you the uh, the code scratcher off the back of the card. Oh, is that is it that easy? I was going to mail it, but that's probably no, easier. No. Yeah, just text that code, oh, six geez. digit code or something. Wow, that's so smart. Okay. Anyways, um, so so I think that the RV update, Calv- I think we got to go for it now. If you something, know we got to go for it. I think we got to go for it, but I do want us to remember and potentially heed Brian's warning because I think it was valid and I think it came from an authentic place. And again, I think it's we, we should weigh that and we should weigh the opinions of all those who matter to us. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's our decision. Well, yeah, it is. And, you know, Brian, I, I'm i not surprised he was so disgusted with that rig. Look, look at the tiny <laughs> house the guy's built. <laughs> it lo- looks like he's carved it out of a solid sycamore. <laughs> it's a beautiful home. It's a really beautiful home. So, okay. Anyway, listeners, thank you for tuning in. Uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, episode talking about hot tubs, talking about woodworking, talking about the RV. Uh, we got some good feedback after last week's episode with Tyrone. We're uh, we're definitely continuing to push, getting more guests, getting more female guests, getting more interesting people and. And Calvin and I are still uh, having a good time. So uh, we're going to keep this thing chugging along. And stay tuned for details on what we end up deciding to do with that old nasty RV we have. Yeah, hit us up on Instagram. That's where we're kind of most active. And uh, feel free to email us. That's always nice. We got some cool fan mail this past week. And it's always great to get there. I think we're going to read that maybe next episode. Just some snippets because it's great to be encouraged. And uh, your opinions are usually pretty valued here. And they typically will make it on the air or make... uh, contribution to an episode so thank you thanks for listening guys and now get out there and find yourself some adventures